Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 15. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised, with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of the flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Right, we're all different, aren't we? And for some of us, um, when we begin something, we just cannot rest until it's finished. Um, and so we start one project and we've got to complete that project before we, finish the, before we start another one. Now, folk who operate in that sort of way cannot understand for the life of them the other type of people, the procrastinator. Now... Um, that's the one who might begin a project and then begin another one and then begin another one and never finish any of them. And so a lady might have four different cross stitches on the go all at once and none of them are finished. Or together you might begin and to, you might build a new garden bed but you never get around to finishing off the watering system. And so, and, but you'll plant the plants even so and then they'll die because they're not getting watered. Um, or you might build a shed and for some reason, you never get around to putting the gutters on, right? Now, am I describing anyone here? Yeah, we're describing a few. I, I was expecting people to turn to the side and go, you know, this is, Roy thinks he's both of them. Okay, so um, there's the person who's the opposite of that though, and that's the person who they will only start one cross stitch and then they're going to stick at that until they finish it. Or you might even be reluctant to build that garden bed today because you think, I might not get it finished today and I know it's going to drive me nuts if I, if I leave it half done until following weekend. Or you might build a shed and don't even start building the shed until you've actually ordered and received the tanks because the last thing you want is to finish building your shed, getting all the flashing on and the gutters on, and then have to put up temporary downpipes to get the water away from the shed without finishing it off and plumbing it into the shed. Am I describing anyone now? Anybody likes to finish stuff? Yep. 
That's me. I like to finish stuff. Um, so by the way, this has been driving me nuts over the last few months because I've been building my own tray for my, for my new ute and I only spend you know, sort of a day here and a day there and, and a few hours here and a few hours there and it's, it's half done and it's just driving me nuts. Now, being a Christian is not a project that we achieve and then we move on. Nor is it something that we leave half done for that matter. Becoming a Christian isn't like achieving a qualification. And so, right, I've become a Christian now. I've ticked that box. I'm good for eternity. So now I'm going to move on to my next life goal. Being a disciple of Jesus is a way of life. Paul said in verse 6, Therefore, as you received Christ the Lord, so walk in him. We don't just receive him. We, we receive and walk in him. And he gives us a string of mixed metaphors to show us what this is about. All right, so, and, and some of these sort of could seem contradictory, but metaphors are okay, right? So we are walking in Christ, like we're journeying with him. But in Christ, we're rooted like a tree so that we can stand fast in Christ and we draw nourishment from Christ. In Christ, we're being built up like a house that's under construction. And yet we are established, we're confirmed and we're settled in our faith like a solid legal document that cannot be swayed and it cannot be misunderstood. And our thanksgiving to God is in abundance. It's like a cup that's running over because gratitude to God is a key trait of being a disciple of Jesus. Being a Christian, you see, it's not merely a concept we agreed to. It's a way of life we've embraced. It's a way of life that we embrace and are committed to because our old life is crucified with Christ. Our old life is buried with Christ and God has made us alive together with him in this new life. Now, is that sounding at all familiar? I hope so because um, last week we had our combined service with, with River Life Church of Christ and they're up to Romans chapter 6. And so last week's message, which, which I preached on is very similar to what we just read just now. It talked a lot about being baptised into the death and into the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's coming back, coming through again in this message. Now, Colossians is unashamedly about Christ. Back in chapter 1, we encountered the grandeur of Christ, the preeminence of Christ. He's number one. That There is no other before him. There is no other beside him. He's the creator of the world. He's the sustainer of all things. And the death and the resurrection of our Lord, this is the centrepiece of the Christian faith. And it's so central to our faith because we enter into it. We are baptised into the death of Christ. And we're baptised into the resurrection of Christ. The old self dies and the new life is raised to eternal life. Now, when it comes to our faith in Christ, it's really important 
for every Christian to be aware that there is always going to be pressure on us to add something extra to our faith. And we really need to resist those pressures because Christ is everything. Christ is everything we need. Nothing extra needs to be added. And that's what Paul alerts us to today. In verse 8 he says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. Now, the word philosophy, it literally means love of wisdom. Now, that's, why is that a bad thing? Well, when we're talking about godly wisdom, it's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. That Proverbs chapter 3 says, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. In James chapter 1, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Godly wisdom is a wondrous blessing. And to love godly wisdom, that's, that's something that we should be doing. But when it comes to worldly wisdom, well, that's a very different kettle of fish. In the, in the Greek, verse 8 would be better understood like this. Just wait for the plane to go. I'll grab a drink while that's happening. In the Greek, verse 8 would be better understood like this. See to it that no one takes you captive by empty and deceptive philosophy. Right? So the words empty and deceit there, um, in the Greek it's actually being used as a description for, for philosophy. Now, if philosophy, the love of wisdom, isn't a bad thing in itself, what kind of philosophy is empty and deceptive? Well, it's to do with the source. It's to do with where it comes from. The source of godly wisdom is according to Christ. The source of empty and deceptive philosophy, its source is human tradition and what Paul calls the elemental spirits of the world. Now, Every single human being on the face of this planet has a worldview uh, which impacts everything they think, everything they do, everything they say. And how we think is very much affected by what contributes to our worldview. And so is our worldview shaped and formed according to Christ or is our worldview shaped and formed by human tradition and the elemental spirits of the world. Now, l let me clarify what human traditions are. Human traditions, in this case, we're not talking about old ways from a bygone era. The traditions that we're talking about are the accepted norms of our people group. And, and those traditions will change and vary depending on what people group you, you're in and depending on the year and the decade and the century. These things change. Um, so, for example, the worldview of city folk uh, is very different to the worldview of country folk. 
And for us folk living out in the bush here, sometimes the way that city folk think, we, we just can't understand it. Why would you even think that? Well, why would you be so worried about that? That's not an issue. And the city folk, they would think of country folk, well, why would they think that? No, they probably don't. They probably don't even give us a thought because we're so few. But human traditions are what we as a people, it's what we hold dear. It's the way we do things. It's what we, what we value. Right? So in Australia, we might hear about yeah, what, what makes an Australian? It's Australian values, mateship, and blah, 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 blah. I'll tell you what, it's just, just come unhinged. Uh, people's view of, of what makes an Australian has just become completely unhinged um, over this last couple of years with the COVID crisis. Because who'd have thought that Australians were a people of fear? Uh, and yet we are. We've become a people of fear. We'd, who'd have think that Australians would be a nation of people who dob in others? I mean, well, we're not dobbers. Yes, we are. We, we dob in people all the time. It's really changed. But human traditions are what we as a people hold dear. It's the way we do things. It's what we value. But the thing is, if our traditions haven't been shaped according to Christ... What has shaped our traditions? Now, in my short life, and I know some of you think that it's not a short life, but it is, um, compared to history, my life's been quite short, but even in that short time, I've observed what many would describe the decay of society. Uh, In years gone by, you see, our values once used to be shaped by a Christian worldview, um, but not anymore. And even in my short lifetime, the human tradition of our society has shifted, and it's shifted significantly. So I'm old enough to remember when pokies and casinos didn't exist in Queensland. Uh, some of you are nodding, mm, we remember that too. There's no way Joe would ever let them in. But now you can't go to a pub without seeing a pokey because that's what brings in the money. And sports clubs these days, is that's what brings in the money. Um, there was, it's not so long ago that abortion was illegal in Queensland. Now it's not only legal, it's very common. And we've become a nation who says, oh no, it's important for us to be allowed to kill babies. I don't understand that. Brothels have become legalised. Homosexual behaviour used to be illegal not very long ago. Now there's government programs to to encourage its expression. And it's not so long ago that our nation voted overwhelmingly to allow men to marry men and women to marry women. When it comes to gender issues, I remember a time when a boy used to be a boy and a girl used to be a girl. And now they get to decide what they want to be. And if they change their mind, that's okay because your gender can be fluid, apparently. And now, just in the last few weeks, our state, we've decided it's okay to kill old people and the sick and the dying. Now, these, these are the human traditions. These are the accepted norms of our people group. And they have changed significantly, exponentially. They have changed in such a very short time. How, how is that even possible? Can people change so quickly? 
I'll tell you how human tradition, that the accepted norms of our people group, is influenced by the spirit world. Human traditions are formed according to the elemental spirits of the world. Now, Paul's talking about demonic spirits here. He's talking about satanic powers. When I was in high school, my best mate gave his life to the Lord. Um, I managed to get him to come along to an IS, a scripture union, ISCF camp, and at that camp, we were canoeing down the Mary River. It was four days trip. We took all our stuff with it. And one night on the banks of the river around a bonfire with tears in his eyes, this young lad gave his heart to the Lord. And I was stoked. I'd been praying for that for ages. But then, and, and we got him involved in youth group and whatnot, and, and that was all good. But when he finished high school, he went shearing. Um, and he went shearing, not just locally, he, had, he wanted an adventure, so he headed out around Quilpy. And there, of a night time, there wasn't a lot to do in a shearer's camp, and so he started reading. And what he read was philosophy, and he studied the philosophers. Scott, is that normal for a shearer? No, that's not normal for a shearer, is it? <laughs> but that's what he did. And... And the whole time that he's studying these philosophers, it was gradually taking him away from his Christian faith. And then when he achieved his goals of, he wanted, of what he wanted to achieve, shearing, he then took himself off to university and he studied psychology. And there at university, his quest for wisdom took him right away from Jesus. And I told you that he gave his life to Jesus on that camp. Well, while he was at university, he took it right back again. And he was quite honest with me. And he says, oh, look, I, I can't say I'm a Christian anymore. And that, that breaks my heart. And for me, I think of my mate Jack when I read this. See to it that no one takes you captive by empty and deceptive philosophy. Because that's, what, that's exactly what happened to my mate. He was taken captive by the thinking of humans. And I don't think he yet realises that what took him captive wasn't a new enlightening thing. It was empty and it was deceptive. And any so-called wisdom that takes us away from Christ, where do you think that comes from? It comes from the evil one. And even some churches feel, oh, there's much more for our people to learn than what we can find in the Bible. And there are some churches around that have started teaching philosophy, the thinking of man from the pulpit. And, and, and when the biblical message doesn't line up with the accepted traditions of their culture, do you know what they do? They change the message. So it does line up with the traditions of culture. And if you take this to the extreme, you end up with what they call progressive Christianity. Um, this is what so-called progressive Christianity says. I took this from, from the website. Affirm that, they affirm that the teachings of Jesus provide but one of many ways to experience the sacredness and oneness of life and that we can draw from a diverse sources of wisdom in our spiritual journey. Now, 
They obviously didn't spend a lot of time studying Colossians, did they? Or certainly didn't understand Colossians, because this is exactly the sort of stuff that Paul is warning us about. There is no other source. The only godly wisdom to be found is found in Christ. Verse 9 says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In Christ is the fullness of God. Everything of God is found in Christ Jesus. And we have been filled in him, the Holy Spirit in us. The fullness of God is in Christ, and we can be filled with all godliness through Christ. There are no diverse sources of godly wisdom. The only godly wisdom to be found is in God himself, and Christ is God himself. All other religions, all other spiritualities, all other philosophies, they're not different paths to the same God. Don't you believe that nonsense for one minute? Those are but deceitful diversions, and they only serve to take us further and further, excuse me, further and further away from God. Now, as we continue on studying this letter over the next few weeks, it's it's going to become obvious that one of the human traditions that Paul is warning the Colossian church about is getting caught up in the old Jewish religious cleanliness laws. And he sort of preempts this even now in verse 11 when he brings up circumcision. You see, under the old covenant, circumcision, it used to be the sign that you belonged to the people of God. But in Christ, it's not a physical circumcision we have, it's a spiritual circumcision. Paul refers to it as a putting off the body of the flesh. And the reason that he's telling them this is because at one time, these people in Colossae, they didn't belong to God. They weren't Jewish, they weren't circumcised, they were completely estranged from God, they worshipped other gods in fact. But now, in Christ, through baptism, their old allegiances, which were to false gods, their old allegiances that were to their human traditions and the worldly wisdom that they had, their old allegiances have been put to death. And the power of God who raised Jesus raised them. And that's the same story for us. Our old allegiances have been put to death. And the power of God that raised Jesus has raised us to a new life in Christ. Is anyone happy with that? A few nods. No? Yes, hallelujahs. Okay. But for that to happen, there was a really big problem there's a really big, enormous barrier that needed to be dealt with. What could that be? I'm looking for some interaction here. It's a three-letter word, starts with S. What was the barrier that cut us off from God? Sin. Sin. And that had to be dealt with. 
There is a record of debt, you see, that stands against an unbeliever. Now, this should be horrifying. I know some folk are, are truly horrified to, to, under, to know that their footprint on the World Wide Web is being tracked. Uh, pretty much every website that you ever visit can be tracked. IP records are kept. DNS server records are kept. Why? For tracking purposes. But there's a, a very much greater record of debt than that. There's a record that we should be very concerned about. It's a record of wrongdoing. And that record is kept in heaven. There's no privacy agreement you have to sign up to to be able to use it. It's kept. On the Day of Judgment, there's two books that are going to be opened that day. Well, actually, there's, there's many books, and then there's the Book of Life. There is a book written on every single person. Imagine that library. It would be an enormous library. And there's a book written for every single person who has ever lived. And Revelation chapter 20, verse 12 says, And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. That's terrifying. Every sin, every evil deed that we've ever done has been recorded and written into a book. But praise the Lord, there's a second book that will also be opened on that day, and this book is the book known as the Lamb's Book of Life. The saints, the holy ones of God, the saved, the redeemed, Christians, disciples of Jesus have their names in that book and will be saved. And so Revelation 20 verse 15 says, and if anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Did you know that when we repent of our sin and we call out on the mercy of God and we give our hearts to Jesus, everything in your book, every record of wrong is rubbed out. I just, do you get a picture of God? You know how we hear about a person giving their heart to Jesus and we hear the angels rejoicing in heaven. You know what God's doing? Rubbing out every entry in your book, erasing it. When you become a Christian, your name gets very carefully written into the register of heaven, the Lamb's Book of Life, and everything else gets rubbed out of your other book. The record of debt that stands against us is cancelled with its legal demands. What were the legal demands? Well, the wages of sin, what we earn with sin, is death, judgment. But all that's cancelled. It's cancelled. Every record of sin in, in the book of a believer is rubbed out. It's nailed to the cross and it's erased by the blood of Jesus. And not only that, it is at the cross that Christ himself triumphed over the powers of evil. At the cross, Christ triumphed over Satan. Verse 15 says, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. There is 
absolutely nothing that needs to be added to our Christian faith. There's nothing that could be added by embracing worldly wisdom that, that originates from evil spirits because Christ has roundly trounced them. He has overcome them and he's put them to open shame. And I find this absolutely an intriguing image. The cross was supposed to be the place where, where Christ would be put to shame. It was, would have been the ultimate shame for Christ. Here he is, the creator of the world, was stripped naked, beaten and scourged, mocked and ridiculed. And then they took him out and they hung him up on that cross and drove the nails through his flesh and left him there for the bystanders to walk past and mock and ridicule and scorn. But the tables have been turned. And it was at the cross that Christ put his enemies to shame. When Christ was raised from the dead, the tables were completely turned. Today, in our society, there will be times when people mock you. There will be times where they jeer at you because of your beliefs. They'll mock you because you hold firmly to godly wisdom and don't embrace the wisdom of human traditions. And you know, because you've been here before, you know that when that happens, the temptation for you is going to be, well, I can add a little bit of that worldly wisdom. And then you won't be mocked so much. Your friends will be saying, come on, get with the times. You can't still believe that, surely. But we will not be taken captive by hollow and deceptive worldly wisdom. Why? Because we know its point of origin. We know why it's so attractive to people of the world, because its point of origin is the evil one. And we know that our shame in the eyes of the world, although we might be shamed today, is going to be turned to glory on the day when Jesus comes again. Because we know that when Christ rose from the dead, the source of worldly wisdom, the evil one, the heavenly powers and authorities, they were put to open shame that day. Now, where are you at with Jesus? Have you given your heart to Jesus? Is your name in the Lamb's Book of Life? Has every record of your sin been blotted out from your book? Now, perhaps you might be ready to do that for the first time today. And if so, come straight up to me, straight after this service, and we'll pray together. For those who are listening to this in Bonjean, um, hello to you, by the way, Bonjean. Um, if this is you and you're feeling that today is the day for you to give your heart to Jesus and get right with Jesus, I'd encourage you that as soon as the service is over, go up and talk to one of the elders. Maybe, maybe the elders could, straight after the service, go and stand by the communion table so they know who you are and they'll pray with you on that day. But for others of us, maybe you might be walking with Jesus for a while, but have you been just a little bit embarrassed that the way of Christ doesn't line up with the ethics of the world?
Have you been a little bit embarrassed that, that the traditions of your people group, they despise what you've been taught in Christ? And are you under pressure? And you, are you under pressure to add other wisdom which is incompatible with Christ? Are you under pressure to add that thinking to what you have learned in Christ? And perhaps that pressure might even be coming from people who you would consider be, to be Christians. It's a temptation, you see. It's a temptation for young and it's a temptation for the old. And we need to be aware of, of where this other source of wisdom originates. The elemental spirits of the world. It's not from Christ. Now to finish, I'm going to take us right back to the beginning and read the opening verse. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Christ is all we need. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you are completely sufficient. How could you not be when the fullness of God is in you? Lord, forgive us for embracing other sources of wisdom. Forgive us for when we've tried to add anything other than Christ to our faith. And Lord, help us to stand firm in you and to be built up in you. And Lord, we pray today for, for those whom we love who have been captured and misled by hollow and deceptive philosophy. It's been dragging them away from you. And Lord, we, we seek your mercy and we, Lord, we ask that you would pull them back and help them to be content with the fullness of God in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you that on the cross, you have erased our record of wrongs. You've given us a clean slate. And now we have new life in your son. Help us to walk in this newness of life, always overflowing with thanksgiving. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.